0: Thank you very much, Paul. Firstly, for coming onto the podcast, it means a huge deal to us. Um, and what an incredible career you've had, by the way. Two hundred eighty-seven games and thirteen goals for Burnley in a long, successful career. Starting right out at the outset, you're not actually from the north, but from Brighton. How did it come about getting that move up north?
1: Started when I was playing non-league for um, a little old Worthing. Uh, back in 1990, 1991, I was, I was 16, I just left school uh, and I was playing in their first team at a young age. And, and basically, to cut a long story short and bore you all, is that the manager, John Murray at the time, was an ex-Burnley player. He decided to leave Worthing because money situations and stuff like that. And he just said, look, come on, I'm going to take you up to Burnley for, um, for a trial just to see how you get on. Me, I was, you know, I loved me football, but weren't quite sure where Burnley was in the country. But um, yeah, it, it worked out quite well. A big,
2: a big lifestyle change at what must have been a young age then, Paul. That did you have to come up on your own, or was how did that work for you?
1: Well, it was just basically a, a week's trial, um, just to see if I can get an apprenticeship. So it was a case of um, got a, uh, a lift up um because my mum and dad's car wouldn't make it that far um and and basically just stayed in the hotel stayed in the hawthorns over in nelson stayed up yep. actually with at the time uh, mick conroy and mark yates first team players wow mick conroy yeah. absolute hero mine. yes yeah, some great player great lads really a... yeah. and they were good because i'm 16 and they looked after me they really yeah. did took me into training i got to do all the usual jobs with the uh, the apprentices cleaning boots all that sort of stuff um and basically played one game um and that was it that was my chance play one game do well if you don't you're back down south so I happened to do all right to be fair um we played against Berry, uh in the I don't know if you remember back in the early 90s it was the A and the B team league back then but I played in a B team game um on that Saturday morning uh scored a goal we were winning 1-0 I got a dead leg went off with 10 minutes to go and we drew one all. so that made him you know made it look better so and that was a start two-year apprenticeship from then
3: Brilliant. So you made your way through your apprenticeship and, and through the reserves, finally made your your first team debut in the 95-96 season, uh, which was a time when Burnley were undergoing uh, a change after a long successful period under Jimmy Mullen, and Adrian Heath stepped up uh, to become manager around that time. What was the atmosphere around, around about? Sorry, what was the atmosphere like around that time? Um, end of Jimmy's time, and and what was it like breaking through into
1: into a team after that successful spell? Uh, the weirdest part about it all is when you're only 20 years old, you're sort of oblivious to what's going on in the bigger picture. Yeah, You don't realise what the boardroom's like. You don't realise what the manager's going through. you just sort of in your own little world, if you will. Um, senior players are talking to you about what's going on, but you're kind of not really listening. You're just focusing on yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd had my ups and downs with the manager at the time. Jimmy Mullen was a bit well, to be honest, he's a bit of a goon. Really, he was—he was—he was constantly drinking. He was just a bit of an idiot. Um, but the bloke gave me the opportunity. He gave me my first year. Um, first year pro uh, contract. Uh, and, and it was a fight every year over money. So I didn't really have the respect for him. But I had senior players in here. I had Adrian Ethan in me here in my ear all the time. Even when he was like a senior pro, he went away and came back to the top to be manager. But he was always in the ear telling me what to do and ignore the manager, blah, blah, blah. So I don't really understand too much what was going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Mullen was under pressure because he taken us up to the championship. He brought us back down, kept the job, but we were sort of lingering mid table um so he was under a bit of pressure that side of it but i just wanted my chance i was just you know waiting to get in there um i'd had lots of arguments with the manager i was out of contract i think my debut was in october sometime yeah and i was still out of contract we were still arguing from july wow and and i know people will laugh at this but we we were we were literally arguing over 50 quid yeah. um yeah, yeah. Uh, wages weren't the greatest back then yeah. i was on yeah. i was on 200 pound a week and i wanted 250 and he wasn't giving it to me i was on 170 they'd yeah. offer me 200 and i wanted 250. crazy I like, say,
0: as a player you surely you should be getting that because i mean 50 quids compared to some players who are probably in that team I earning no, I mean triple and
1: double that or whatever, but yeah, I'm not too sure if it was that big. I don't think the wages were that I'm not so sure there was many people over a thousand pounds. Yeah. right then. Um, but I think Jimmy Mulliner was as stubborn as I was. He wasn't wanting to waver a bit. Uh, I'd gone pre-season down to Stoke. Again, Adrian Eth had sorted me out. Go and do pre-season away from the club to sort of wake him up a little bit, you know, try and force him to give you a bit more money. Um, which in hindsight was a really bad idea because I got to Stoke and done two weeks of preseason with them, well, they're known as the biggest running club in the world. You asked Vince Overson, they can run for fun. Well, that two weeks sort of killed me. But I came back firing. I was, you know, I was quite fit, but I just had to buy me time. And the manager just pulled me one day and said, look, you're not going to play in the first team until you sign your contract. I said, well, I'm not signing my contract until you give me some money. So he said, you can play tonight. It was against Leicester in the Carling Cup or whatever it was called back then um he said see how you get on and i've done okay played in the first team with all the regulars and everything we got beat but he said you've done all right he said but you're not playing at the weekend until you sign your contract so i'm not signing my contract until until you give me more money and that style, mate went on into november eventually he then um said to me you're playing tonight you're playing in the uh oh, back then auto windshield the windscreen, whatever so yeah. it is yeah. <laughs> yeah and we played um we played crew mm. and again I played quite well and what it was back then it was we it was um stalemate at 90 minutes and it was one of those golden goals oh yeah yeah Curt and Ogan had scored the was goal the one where and he, he
2: just ran, and then
1: ran up yeah, I yeah ran straight down the tunnel yeah. we we're all thinking where's he gone but you know we didn't realize it was golden goal and that was it that was after that game he said to me he pulled me in the office the day later and just said right I'll give you your money and I went and backdated to the start of the season said, yeah <laughs> And it was i got it it was like ah it's like i won the lottery back then yeah so um i was just in the middle of buying my first house as well so it was yeah it was brilliant so that saturday started the league game and went from there do you think
3: oh sorry go on josh no i was gonna say do you think that was all all on the manager then or do you think he'd sort of been told by by the board maybe that this is his budget
1: work within it and don't know You, you never know who to believe yeah. managers play games with you oh the chairman says this the chairman says that and i'm like well if you really want me to sign surely you've got the power for 50 quid yeah. But yeah. i don't know they, i think they play off against each other chairmen and managers and i know stan did quite a bit but i'm not sure whether jimmy was that clever to do that and mm. like i said he was he was he was off drunk most of the time so um yeah I'm, I'm not so sure how we play these games but like i say I, I had the battles from day one with jimmy mullen because when i got my first year of pro i was on i got a one-year contract and all the other boys that year john mullen chris brass all them got three-year contracts he made me fight for my one-year contract every year okay whereas they all got lucrative three years happy days i'm not saying it was great money but they hey. were like in comfort zone yeah, yeah. But I'm, glad, I'm kind of glad looking back that i did get my one years i'm glad because it kept me on my toes it kept me fighting so yeah i kind of thanked jimmy for that a bit i guess <laughs> I was just gonna me.
2: say
0: about how, how good time how much good timing that way when you're saying about his sort of a bit of a drunk and then Josh is there having a bit of his, no, uh, no. <laughs> his part I thought it couldn't be any more better timing, but what was it like then for your first time in the boardroom, sort of uh, when, when you when you say it's
1: a bit daunting, what was that like sort of as a first impression? Well it was only Miss Smith me and him. I never went in with wow. the actual we weren't the chairman or and all that like they they stayed out of <laughs> it. Um, back in the early days it was Teasdale the chairman he yeah. used to come in the dressing room afterwards to see the lads if we won and give us like you know 30 quid to go and spend behind the bar very rarely saw the the directors or anything like that so but when we did see them it was on the coach sometimes mm. but you're not really fearful of the chairman or anything like that it's not the chairman it's just chairman really you just brack <laughs> on especially understand they're all scared of Stan so yeah, absolutely it was... <laughs> <laughs> obviously from that season, Paul, like you say,
2: Jimmy left, Adrian came in, Adrian Heath, uh, player manager too, at the think he was at the time, although well, he weren't playing much, but I've always just been interested, we've had a few guests on who worked with player managers, like we had Mark Robertson on, discussed obviously Chris Waddle. Um, what was that dynamic like for Adrian then having to step up, obviously did he have your respect immediately and how did that dynamic work, how was he as a manager?
1: For me, it worked really well for others it didn't work very well um for me it was because we'd had such a good relationship so young lad coming through and him being a senior player he was one of them that would talk to you he used to take me off to Goodison Park on us on a Saturday or Sunday if we had a free weekend and watch Everton him and David Ayres would take us off and, and and well in their world it was like let's educate you with some great football (laughs) <laughs> I sort of just went along with it but yes um so he, he was always sort of well when he got the job that, that everyone used to give me stick oh your dad's the manager now and like, all this sort of stuff so I sort of I was I was like laughing really when he came in yeah and um, he gave me my, my bigger contract a two-year contract first one I ever got um so I was kind of happy with that but the rest of the dressing room there wasn't as many that were as happy and a yeah. lot there were players that found it strange calling him Inchy and then now going to call him Gaffer. And when they were like some of them were around his age as well, it was it was yeah, it was quite awkward for some. I
2: can imagine it. must be a weird dynamic mm. for him stepping up. And obviously he's still your mate, but he's got to be able to say, That was shit, you need to do better here, etc. It must be weird. But I've always wondered as well, kind of off the back of that, whether this is wrong or not, because that season, the first full season he had. We did really well as i recall the first half of the season we were in in the hunt for the playoffs and paul barnes Kurt nogan scoring for fun obviously Kurt nogan went to preston which i think i cried about him at the time when i were about nine um but yeah it kind of fell away in the second half and from a fan's perspective that's always been perceived to possibly be down to when john ward left who was the uh assistant manager how was
1: that scene from a player's perspective was there, is there any truth to that or again I've, I'm, I'm not one to look in too much to things like that yeah the, the, the reason being is I was always led to believe that it didn't matter to me who the manager was if you're picked in that 11 you go out and play yeah now we'll probably get to it in a bit under Chris Waddle there were certain things he said and do but he just ignored it he just went out and played and and it's it's like when John left John Ward left he was a great coach but not a lot changed in training. Our training methods still stayed the same. We still played the same. Yeah. Adrian Eve didn't say, go out and do something, anything different. So I don't think you can blame any change behind the scenes. It was just, we weren't good enough. Yeah. And I think if you look back at that season, I think we were actually the top scorers in the division that year.
2: Yeah.
1: We finished, what we were one place out of the playoffs yeah, or whatever it was, line. something yeah. like that. Our problem simply was that we let too many goals in. Mm. We all knew that. We just didn't defend it as a team properly. So that needed readjusting blaming ward for leaving i think's a bit harsh he brought colin harvey in and i don't think he was the right answer but at the end of the day training sessions were training sessions manager put them on and yeah. it, and adrian eve was one of these that loved to play um like a six-a-side game but with big goals mm. he, he used to do that regularly and when Wardy was still here or whether he wasn't so not a lot changed i, I can't really be blaming Cultures um, and, and stuff like that behind the scenes. It was just one of those things. But that was that was the tough time in the summer when he did decide to go. Yeah. From my point of view, with the year to go on my contract, I was like, I was gutted, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, you know, like I say, because he was, uh, I was one of his boys, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to see the manager go. And, and I think I think he said it a few times since, hasn't he? He's he's actually, it was one of those decisions that he regrets. He shouldn't have yeah. gone to Everton. Well, yeah, he went and it was when howard kendall went back wasn't
2: it and it was quite sure. a poor period yeah. they had so you like you like to think if he'd been given another summer because chris Waddle, as we'll come on to in a minute he got loads of money that summer and you just think if adrian Heath had maybe been given that to like you say improve the defense because we had a great strike force with cookie paul barnes was still there obviously mm. got traded for payton uh glenn little yourself of, it was a really talented squad so it'd have been good to have got another year with with, with inchy to see what would have happened. But moving on to Chris Waddle, I don't know who wants to ask about that, was it Nick?
0: Yeah, going to say, uh, so moving on to that next season, then with Chris Chris Waddle, you remained a, a regular in that team. And we've spoke we well, we've had Mark Robertson come on to the podcast and we've heard his sort of perspective of what happened with Waddle. But from your side, what what did you feel like went,
1: went wrong for Waddle? Uh, day one. When he when he came in day one, he upset the whole squad. Um, I don't know if, if Robbo said this, but we were we were training. Every manager and, 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 and coaching staff do things differently when it comes to pre-season. And we were going through a spell with Clive as the assistant or caretaker, whatever he was. We were doing one long session um, of pre-season and then going home. Some like to do a session, have lunch, then come back out and run you again. Whereas Clive just absolutely killed us and then you went home. Mm -hmm. And what happened on that particular day is is we've done a really, really hard session. Uh, We come in from the training ground and back then we have to wash your own kit, take it home and and bring it back. Now, I just remember everyone's faces because our tops were just drenched. Everything about us was just wet through. We had a shower. Uh, We all got our kit on the floor, drenched. Uh, and the new management team came in and said hello and said, put your kit back on. So straight away, the senior players are like holding them up, like putting that back on. Well, then we went down to the uh, to the um, to pitches again and we he put on the hardest running session I think I've ever done in my life. So there's players being sick and they haven't eaten. So it was not a very good start from Chris Wardle's point of view. Mm. knowing that we've done a really hard session in the morning to then completely just kill us on day one, you've got senior players have gone already. They're they're not having him. They're not having Glenn Roder. They're thinking he's a clown. You come in and start acting like Sergeant Major on day one. You've lost the dressing room. You've lost it. And when you lose the senior players, it filters down again. I'm only young. I'm 21, 22 at the time. I'm looking at them and they're like, this isn't right. And I'm like, oh, right. I don't know. It could be the norm for yeah. me. but." And <laughs> yeah. I could run. I was one of the better runners. And I just and it did kill me, to be fair. But that was it. That was it. Day one, he, he'd lost it for me. He'd lost it. So it was a it was a long road from then onwards. I suppose re- respect is just
2: almost impossible to get back in it. I think <clears throat> Brian Laws had the same problem at Burnley from what I've heard from other players. Um, you need to go in, especially if there's question marks about you as a manager, which there will have been with Chris Waddle because he never managed before, never managed since, either, obviously. But um, what was it like? Because one of the most interesting things that Robbo told us was uh, when we were asking why it went wrong, he was saying, Well, I'm playing in midfield with this guy who you know, was a right winger in his career. He's playing in centre midfield, telling me what to do when he's barely busting, busting, you know, pulling his own weight. And I, I want to turn around and go, Pull your own finger out but he's my manager so it, it, it must have been weird that I know he played himself everywhere for for Nick and Josh's benefit I remember one game he played himself as almost like a Makaleli role in front of the centre-backs like a sweeper it was just a bit weird we didn't know what was going
1: on everything about him was weird <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong I finished the season I, we got on really well we did at the start of the season didn't have any respect for him at all First game of the season <laughs> where we were away at Watford was it first game yeah, of the season yeah. I think yeah. it me, me and Glenn Little were shopping in Manchester we weren't even in the squad baffling we weren't even in the squad so Glenn was out for a long time which everyone knows up to yeah. christmas before he got back in first game of the season I wasn't involved he said to me you're not a, you're not a midfielder so in the reserves leading up to that I think we've been to Harrogate town we played I think we played in in like a reserve pre-season friendly me and Glenn and I I played in midfield and he played on the wing and I think we won nine or something nil and me and Glenn we had some good games Mm. and that was like the week leading up to the start of the season and yet we weren't in the squad we were looking at each other thinking what's going on here Mm. no I got in literally the week later so it it was okay for me but he said you're just not a midfielder he said you're a wing back and I'm like right right and that was it I had to play wing back and that Mm. was me for a few weeks until he changed the formation and I, I think if you look over that season I play right back. I play right wing back. Grimsby away, I played left back. Mm. I played left wing back. I played centre midfield. I just played everywhere, and that just summed his season up. Like you say, he played himself right wing yeah. sweeper. Grimsby away was the most fast game of football I think I've ever seen. Mm. We got we got there, and he put the team sheet up on a wall, and he just named eleven players. He didn't put numbers down. He just named eleven players. So we're all looking at it and we're thinking, Cracky, what's going on there? Like Chris Finnecombe, the left back, he's not even in it. So well, who's left back then? Gordon Cowan's reserve coach is in it. What's he doing in there? They were quite he, good though. He sat was us down real? and he said, these are the best 11 players at the club. He didn't say that's the best left back or that's the best right back or this is this. He went, that's the best 11. He said, that's the team today. We'll sort out positions later. I thought one of them were a keeper. Pardon? I hope one of them were a keeper yeah (laughs) we are working out we're going out to do a warm-up thinking what what are we doing here and i did i played left back away at grimsby we got beat and i'm not surprised the things he did was was crazy at first um he didn't he didn't really help me um in in the fact that eventually just before christmas he went to a 442 at last he put himself on the right wing and put me on the left and I'd go up to him and I'd say, you know, do you mind swapping this week? You got, you know, you like a step over or two. Why <laughs> don't you go on the left and I'll go on the right. And he's like, no, no, you're all right. <laughs> you weren't Mad. weren't having it. No, weren't having it. it
2: it's but, always, sorry, I was going to say, it's always been interesting as well. Second half of that season, or certainly towards the end of it, we started playing, not necessarily playing well, but we were getting results. I think we, we ended really well um, to an extent. And obviously we had to, to stay up. I, I think you've already answered my next question, which was gonna be you don't think there were any chance of him maybe doing better after one season bedding in. You think it were the right thing that he just got. No, out. no, no.
1: I know I, I think he got it right in the end. Oh, you think he would have? Yeah. I think I think at Christmas, when he stopped playing himself, he played yeah. Glenn, he stuck to a, a rigid four four two. Um our form from Christmas was unbelievable. It was yeah. the bottom of the league. And and to, we beat Bristol City, We got promoted. We beat Kevin Keegan's Fulham lot at home. Yep. We were, we were beating good teams once we got it right, but it took him that long yeah. to get it right. He in the summer he made he brought loads of players in. They weren't good enough. No, it was no. simple as they, they weren't good enough. And like you say, if Adrian Leif had been here, it could have been a different story. But he brought players in, he played them, and they just weren't up to it. So yeah. when he reverted back to a reasonable 11, you know, we, we showed some good form and, and and he I think he learned a harsh lesson. And I was surprised when he went because we mm. we'd gone away on a, a end of season due over to Marbella um and Chris Wood sat us all down and said lads I've got some some bad news he said gaffer's gone well again half the table were like oh right oh gutted the other half are jumping for joy let's get the drinks in yeah. so it was it was yeah again it was a strange year strange year strange fella um like I said I got to know him I ended up doing a, a presentation one night with him mm. we're opening up a nightclub sidewalk 55 or whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah I remember Me, him and Bernard Manning I mean, that's, a, that's a trio for you isn't it so he gets in the club and, and we goes to this VIP room, me and Chris, well the gaffer, um, and get the drinks in, right? Having a drink. And he just literally sat in the corner by himself the whole night. It just summed yeah. him up. He was a nervous person. He's yeah. not one for coming out and I'm Chris Waddle, England legend, sort of thing. Yeah. He was just a shy person, and it was like that as a manager. It just didn't suit him. Yeah. He was knowledgeable, but nah, it just wasn't right. Interesting. Sorry, I say. I
3: wonder if the damage was was done as early as you say, then, Paul, if, you know, I mean, results picked up, but still senior pros weren't having him. So, you know I mean, they, they have a lot of power at clubs, don't they, your senior they players? They do, yeah.
1: they do. But what, what, what ends up happening is that you have senior pros that pull yourself. To, we have meetings without the manager where yeah. we, we ended up saying to each other, look, you hear him on the sideline, just ignore him. We, we, yeah. we all know what we're doing on a football pitch. It's not rocket science. Yeah. We've trained for years for this um and and they said look lads we don't want relegation on our cv mm-hmm. no matter whether you like him or you don't like him whether you like Roder or don't like roda because a few didn't like him as well yeah. we've just got to look after ourselves we've got to stay in this division and fight for our lives and that's what we kind of did so and that was and, and that's some of the senior players putting us together who weren't in the side yeah that's how good some of the senior players we had in that dressing room um and they've been pushed out they've been treated like pretty poorly yeah. Um, and for them to still go about wanting us to do well, that just summed up the squad that we had and what inch had put together. Yeah
3: that's
2: good. I've got to mention, Paul, one of the best goals I've seen live, Oldham them Away, where you took it which was we had to get something, obviously it was the game, I think it was the game before Plymouth where we had to win our last eight season, and you took it down. Your control for that goal is it still baffles me when you look at. It. I don't know how you got your ankle that high he like controls it with his ankle basically here and then volleys it in off the
1: crossbar is it the best goal you ever scored yeah i think it is yeah it, it sounds better when you say brobelar was in goal as well <laughs> really and, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but that summed our season up didn't it three yeah. one up and we drew three all
2: yeah that goal's all you remember from that game though i, I tried to put the result out because if we'd won that day it took all the pressure off
1: I know, yeah. I know. We were desperate to win that game, and, and we played so well. The fans, there were so many at the game. They were, I think, they opened the other stand for him, didn't they? Yeah, In the they end. Did, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a good occasion, but it made that last game of the season. That was nerve wracking. <laughs> God bless Andy Cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: so just, just on yourself, on a personal level, Paul, uh, you've had your encountered encountered your issues with Cro- Crohn's disease, uh, which affected your playing time. Uh, so what were it like sort of uh, having a spell on sidelines? Obviously, Chris Waddle's gone, Stan Turner's coming in, team's still struggling a bit. What, what's it like not being able to play? Uh,
1: it was it was hard. It was hard, especially because Stan's first year they struggled so badly. Yeah. Um, just you know, hovering above the relegation for quite a bit of it and, and being tough. But yeah it was it's difficult when you don't know how long it's going to be when when you when you've when you've done your cruciate you know roughly it's a year when you've done your hamstring you know it's two to six weeks but when when it's telling me problems I didn't know what I was getting myself into so it was a, it was a long long road um probably about a year before a decision was made on surgery um it started on New Year's Eve on under Chris Waddle <laughs> basically that season Wow. um i just started to bleed um tummy wasn't good and uh, it just got worse as the season went on so do i look back and blame chris waddle <laughs> kinda because yeah. at the time it's not crohn's disease at the time it was colitis okay. uh, so my large my large bowel's full of ulcers uh, yeah. and they say ulcers is is stress related yeah um okay. so you're stressed because you're bottom of the league mm-hmm. you're out of contracts in a few months got a mortgage to pay um so maybe yeah. i don't feel really? like a stressed person but it eats you up inside so it started then the summer got worse out of contract stan yes. comes in um and yeah difficult and, and it's the hardest part about it is i've done all right that season i've got harry redknapp on the phone come down to west ham oh wow mm-hmm. so i'm on steroids my face well it's even fatter than it wasn't is now but i was <laughs> no. all over my forehead from the side effects of steroids um, yeah, it was a really really difficult difficult time if I'm to be honest. Um, I went I went down to to um, West Ham and trained with them for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I got standing on the phone saying come back um, and I played two games for West Ham and, and it went quite well. I'm playing with literally their whole first team and me so I thought wow, this is pretty good um but then harry just said nah but he said stan's been on the phone they want a million pound for you and if it goes yeah. to tribune or it could be anything it could be a fiver it could be ridiculous it could be whatever and yeah. we can't take that chance so i came back um signed my contract after a bit of arguing over 50 quid again <laughs> 50 quid. <laughs> um with stan and signed me contract for three years and went insane in hospital for a year
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah pretty much it really
2: You returned to the team, though, Paul. Um, Obviously, in the promotion season, one of my favourite seasons as a Burnley fan towards the end. And again, a goal that lives long in my memory, lots of Burnley fans' memory. Oxford away. um, When a certain Ian Wright, crossed it in for you. You'd have thought it'd be the other way around, but
1: (laughs) got your nod on it.
2: Crucial, crucial goal. What was that like, coming back into the team after all them issues and being, you know, a, a crucial part of getting us up with that goal?
1: it was it's the strangest scenario ever because I was on the transfer list I don't know if I officially was I think it was just Stan playing mind games with me but we'd had a big argument in January I I've been back training since the start of the year but because that a year out I'd lost I'd lost my legs I, I didn't have Steve Davis legs anyway but I'd lost my legs I'd lost the bit of muscle that I did have and he just said you're miles off it yet And I didn't agree, you know, you're a young lad, you think you know it all, that sort of thing. Um, And we had a big argument in January um, and he said, right, we'll go on the transfer list and go then. And I went, right, fair enough then. Um, And at the time I'd had my first knee operation under Waddle and my knee wasn't quite right. There was floating cartilage still in my knee. So I thought, well, I'll go and get that sorted. So then when I do move, I'll be flying. So I had that done early February. Um, I had 10 weeks, no, eight or nine weeks out. And when I came back from that, I joined in with the first team. Now, I, I don't know if you know much about Gawthorpe back then, but Gawthorpe was quite heavy pitches. It's quite, you know, takes it mm. out of your legs, really, when you train there all the time. The lads have gone through quite a bit of the season, so they're, they're goosed anyway. Well, I've come back and I'm fresh. I'm raring to go. So in training, I look kind of good. Mm. Um, and like I say, I'm still on the transfer list. And the team sheet goes up for Oxford and I'm on it. I'm on. The, I'm in the squad, travelling to Oxford. Now, my initial reaction is bastards taking me down there to piss me off he? He's <laughs> taking me all the way to oxford to annoy me so i have to get on the coach you have to go and then when he picks the actual team and the stubs, i'm on the bench i'm like i'm waiting for jeremy beadle to pop out i'm thinking <laughs> this is like what's he doing he's not spoke to me in months i'm i'm on the bench and we literally were joking right he said look this like we're having a beast here, he said. We need to get on and save it. You run down the line, cross it, and I'll let it in. And that is God's honest, <laughs> he said that. Um, and, and the best bit is, is when I did get on, I've gone down the right hand side and I've gone to cross it, and I've completely mishit it. I've not told anyone this, and it went to the edge <laughs> of the area. and Steve Davis volleyed it in, didn't he? for the equal yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, great ball weller, and I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when I was starting, when I was starting the
2: question, I'm about to say, and an assist but yeah.
1: like, i couldn't believe that one it was complete yeah. shank didn't mean it. i'm putting it in the box and it's like great anyway. ball so yeah yeah i'm thinking this is good but yeah popped up in between two players when Wrighty ran into that corner heading it yeah weird. Kind of exclusive day. uh,
0: didn't mean to do it but he said it here first
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. the whole day was just weird going to do the, the um the presser afterwards and there they are oh paul we believe that you've come off the transfer list and you want to stay and i'm like ah, yeah yeah <laughs> stands mind games again i didn't even know i don't know was i on it was i not on it i don't know and that was it i didn't play again That was it. Part, Done me beer, and then he dropped me after that
2: crucial crucial part of that promotion though and, and we did just touch on ian Wright. what was it like to i mean at the time he was doing his um his tv show and everything so i don't i don't even know if he lived locally but what were you, What was that like in the dressing room? When you heard and Wright were coming, did you all just go... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. What was that like? I, I've always found that odd.
1: It, it wasn't so odd for us because when we used to go to away games, we used to go and stand on a Friday night in a hotel in London, for example, and, and Stan would have these legends turn up while we're eating our dinner. We'd be sat there having our dinner and Vinnie Jones would walk in. All right, Stan, and come and yeah. say hello to everyone. So we kind of got used to Stan knowing these like mm-hmm legends if you will um so when he came through the door you just don't know what to expect you're not sure if he's going to be shy he's going to be here i am or what he was um but but he was very much like that he walked through the doors and he put his arms in the air and he said here i am um (laughs) he he turned up in a ferrari one week a a harley davidson the next you think he's big and flash but he's just the nicest guy you ever want to meet yeah you know he's just talked to anybody he was just he's he was brilliant simple as that really i know he didn't have much of an impact on the pitch as, as yeah. probably what he wanted or stan wanted but he ended up being a great sub that came on and won us games yeah. but just having him around the place just took the pressure off everybody mm. um and a genuine lovely lovely guy really nice guy
2: no, it's wow. good to hear that because you get a perception in your head and that's just what he looks like and you it, it's sometimes sad when we've had these and, and we're here oh he's a
1: ball bag not about ian right but <laughs> yeah. certain people that you hear us so it's good to hear that backed up really yeah. nice no, honestly top guy like I say he's, he did he gives it he gives it that but then he smiles and his smile just lifts the room yeah and, and and there was there was a few people that would say hold on he's not here Monday Tuesday he's off doing his TV show or whatever but when yeah. he was there on Thursday Friday he put a shift in and he wasn't one for you know just tossing it off he, he put a shift in and he was he was he was brilliant and he really was that's
0: great so promotion assured and a change of position for yourself becoming a, a marauding right wing back. And you built a great relationship with Glenn Little down at right hand side. What was he like to play alongside?
1: Glenn's mate, yeah. Glenn was the best player I've ever played with. And I've, when I say that, I have to say it lightly and you know, that I played with Gazza and Wrighty and Waddle. I didn't play with them in their heyday. Mm, but yeah. Glenn Little was, was, for a very big lad, unbelievable feat. Unbelievable. Yeah, really well. um, going forward, superb. If he had to turn around and run back, he didn't kind of like that. That wasn't really his sort of thing. A six foot four or whatever he was, useless in the air. But give him the ball. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, that season, I was lucky again because i come back. Stan had pulled me in Portugal when we had the end of season drink. He, he actually pulled me and said, next year's year is going to be your year. And I just laughed him off like, yeah, whatever. Um, but pre-season came. We started the games. Glenn got injured in pre-season. So he sort of changed his formation a bit. And he went with his back five. Mm. Um, and I managed to get the, the, the right wing back spot. And I weren't sure how Glenn was then going to fit in, into the team. Yeah. Uh, was he going to play in a three? What was Glenn going to do? But Glenn sort of played as a right winger with me behind him. Yeah. It was a bit of a lopsided formation, but it kind of worked for so long. You know, we'd done, we done ever so well. We were top of the league at one point, weren't we? So yeah. it's working uh, for a bit. Absolutely fantastic that season. I, I,
2: in my opinion, you might have a different perspective, but I'd say that was the best football you played for us. Um, I always remember a goal you scored against Wimbledon where you oh, yeah. beat about four players down the right-hand side and smashed yes. it in. And they were quite a big team. I mean, they'd just been relegated from the Premier League and that was, I think it was our first home game. I might be wrong. It was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, is that how you saw it as well? Like, the, Was that at your peak, would you say?
1: Yeah, I I, I enjoyed that season because it was my comeback season and having such a difficult few years. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I played 40-odd games. I, I, you know, I won a lot of... Player of the Year award, so I was very very happy with that. I think I enjoyed the the next few years a little bit more because I then went back to sentiment field. Yeah, I enjoyed that right wing back is oh, it's horrible position. You, you're expected to cross it in and then expected to defend on your goal line. It's yeah. it's hard work. It's up and down sort of um sort of position, but it, it served us well for a couple of years. um I think the last time we played it was against Blackburn Rovers, and we never played it again. So. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was. It was good times. That year was was a great year. Um, we should have got in the playoffs. That's the biggest regret.
3: Yeah, yeah. So we were, we were talking to Tony Grant about uh, about this um, last week. I think it was. Um, yeah. so he just missed out on the playoffs in two thousand and two after what Luke described as a stunning first half of the season. I, I can't remember. It was. It was. We were <laughs> top. We were top. <laughs> um, but Thank yeah, you, so me. we we chatted to, to Tony, and he couldn't really put his his finger on. The, the reason sort of where it went wrong, and he, he sort of said maybe it was a team overperforming up until Christmas, and then we just couldn't keep it up. Do you, any any thoughts from you, Paul? Was it was it was that the case? Was it an overperforming team who who just couldn't couldn't keep it up,
1: or no? I'm not sure um whether we were overperforming. I'm um, maybe that's a bit harsh on the team. Yeah. Um, I think probably under after Christmas we really underperformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be top. Going into the Manchester City game, and to not make playoffs is a, is a big collapse. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really know why we why it went pear shaped. Um, some people have talked about because we in, in January we made our million pound signing, didn't we? Our first one, Ian Moore, came in and did that work. Did it not work? Um, because we had some issues up front. Then um, I don't know what how it why it didn't work. I really don't know. Um, I don't know. It literally did go pear shaped from the Manchester City game, really. Um, Glenn missed the penalty. So we can really just blame Glenn. Really. <laughs> really scored that. It might have been a different season.
2: You know, I don't want to blame my favourite ever Berman player, which Glenn, well, Glenn and Robbie combined. I can't, I never, I can never. Luke,
0: we've got,
1: Luke we've got Paul Weller on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I've said it the same. I've had to pick my favourite. You know, I was there a long time. And and those two were my favourite two as well. They, yeah. they were good. um But I, I still tell Glenn daily. He texts me every day, and I still tell him that he because he went on quite a long time in his career. He played quite late in his career. Yeah. And I said that's because I done most of your running while you're at Birmingham. <laughs> you know, I on for years. I think you're probably right though. I think if he would put that away, sorry Glenn, to say this.
2: Not that you'll ever watch it, but if you do, I do. I think we'd have at least made the playoffs. It just felt because City were second. It, that was like the, the game. It was at Main Road um, where we were like having to prove ourselves. I think if we'd gone there and got a point or three, I think that was to level it up. I think they'd taken the lead and it was Glen for equalise, as I remember. I think if he'd scored that, I, I, I genuinely do think we might have gone up that season because some of the football we were playing, we had Glenn on the right, Alan Moore at the time, superb on the left. So you had these wingers just bombing on gareth taylor and more up top we're a really attacking team i remember us away at bradford we won three two some of the football we were playing it it was stunning it was better than we've played you know now and the promotion teams have had under under sean dyche as much as i yeah. love sean that's not criticism of him.
1: but there we go but if you ask stan stan blames me for the man city game does he I do. yeah i didn't even play <laughs> <laughs> i got me week before Five bookings, so I missed the Man City game. So you blame me? Oh no! Like, the whole season, I played like uh, forty-two or whatever it was. The only couple I missed was the Man City one and another one. So you blame me? Got in the dressing room afterwards. I had a right guy me. Brilliant.
0: Oh, boy. You're, you're oh, there, man. still suit and in time. You're like
1: what? What have I, I done? sat <laughs> over there, like laughing at me. He's missed a penalty, and there's me <laughs> like what? Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Wow. <laughs>
0: so. So that's well, that season and Gazza came in for a few months. And
1: what was he like with the lads with such a massive character? Different, bit different, <laughs> mm. bit different. Um I, I'm a I'm a Spurs fan. Grown up, as a, absolutely love Spurs to bits. So obviously Waddle before that was brilliant. But when Gazza walked through the doors, it was like a different world. You just thought, wow, now we're talking yeah. now when he joined in training. It, then all of a sudden, her uh, opinion changed a little bit because training was quite quick, quite fast, and I don't think he was really expecting it to be as zippy as that. You yeah. saw moments of magic, don't get me wrong, from him, but he was a bit million miles off it. Yeah. And when the dressing room, he was funny. We'd done the usual stuff. We were we were still old school. We're we're still cutting up socks. We're still doing things to people's cars and all sorts of stupid stuff. And when he arrived, we'd done all his clothes. We'd done the usual stuff. Um and again, I don't know if Granty or um or Robert have mentioned, but we used to have a court a kangaroo court every Friday um so on a Friday Stan used to get everyone sat down and, and basically it's a way of getting fine money into the club to have a good drink at the end of the year um and you can bring up things on people who's not done this who's done that so on anyway he goes to gazra you sure you don't want to bring anything up because no 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 i don't want to bring anything up. nothing nothing why and he knew that we'd cut all these clothes up and done everything to him he said no 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 i've got nothing to bring up at all i've got my own back so we're all like all right well he just leans behind him and pulls out this biggest bottle of laxatives ever and it's well there's only about a third left <laughs> well, that morning <laughs> That morning, we didn't realise, but in the middle of the table is a huge jug of tea and Gazza had made it. <laughs> I didn't have any, but he just said, hope you enjoyed your tea. Well, there's people like Gordon Armstrong there, like sat like old men with the legs crossed. He's on his third cup, just spits it out everywhere. Now Stan's laughing and then he's now realised we've got a game tomorrow. <laughs> Half a <lot> of <laughs> in there, and, oh. But that was gaza that was gaza he was up to all sorts he was he was um yeah jimmy five bellies in there quite a lot he was a nice lad they were doing just silly things go and get um go to the butty shop around the corner for me and when he came back with it he was meeting his uh, agent afterwards and he he just opened it up took all the cheese out and put sliced soap in there ready for his agent <laughs> it was they were just up to stuff all the time it was just it was funny you see all these pranks on tv that he's done and stupidness and he'd done it with burnley as well he was he was good on that sense he was funny it was just his football side of it wasn't good he had a bit of a tough tough time um and also he was going through issues himself he, yeah. he had um he had this brown suitcase that he'd carry around with him all the time we tried to break into it we couldn't get into it um but if you. If you jangled it about a bit, it used to clutter and yeah, 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 bottles but... and all sorts of stuff in there. That Yeah. It was sad. It was sad yeah. because a legend at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Indeed.
2: And it's a shame it didn't work out because <clears throat> for Josh and Nick's benefit, obviously, Paul will know. But last game of the season, we needed one goal to get in the playoffs. Uh, just one goal. We missed out by a goal. <laughs> well, I'll never forgive Ian Moore for missing from a yard <laughs> out at Deepdale. Um, but yeah he missed he had these free kicks last couple of minutes of the game he had two free kicks uh all i were right behind him all the world they were going in just imagine the story that that had been gaza gets Burnley into the playoffs last day but magnus bloody (laughs) headman um obviously unfortunate i suppose off the back of that season but itv digital then went belly up paul which massively impacted the club because we spent quite a bit on people like gaza uh, ian moore robbie blake and sadly the team started to get not necessarily stripped back but we, we did obviously lose a few players what was that like around the club because it was a shame because we, we felt like we just missed our opportunity i think because we could have just got there before that money kind of went down the pan um and you, you did see the likes of yourself glenn um, and Stan eventually end up leaving the club. What What was the atmosphere around the place in the last few days?
1: Yeah, it was, it was. The last couple of seasons were tough. Um, there were the, the squad was getting depleted. Um, it was it was trying to bank on free transfers, and it was trying because we bought the likes of David May in, you know, Luke Chadwick. Yeah. So we have got some some quality players in still. But it still seemed to be a struggle all the time. It seemed to be tough. That the squad was never big enough. Mm. There were so many times that I was on the bench when I was nowhere near fit. Again, I remember being at Manchester City at home and I was on the bench and well, he, he completely stitched me up stand. I'd only I'd only started running that morning or jogging that morning with the physio. I wasn't even in the squad. I had my boots down at the training ground and he called me in before the game and he said, How are you? And I said, oh, I started running today and you know, it's all right. Maybe sprinting tomorrow may kick a ball later in the week blah. i blah, blah. said oh good you're on the bench i went what i had to go down to gorethorpe to come get me boots and after 30 minutes he said to me do you want to go on and i'm like no no but that's that's what the squad was like back then you know it was it was it was a struggle um it was a struggle seeing it was struggle seeing players like gareth taylor leave yeah he were close. That, that that was a big blow for us yeah G- gas was i think one of the we talk about some good players at burnley in my time i think he went unnoticed i don't think he got the credit he really deserved um he was, he was a good player the biggest winger i've ever played with a typical striker you know what they're like you have to pass to him at every opportunity but a great lad brilliant in the air but also good with his feet and when we started losing players like him you just knew it was it was it wasn't good yeah. the club were asking the big hitters to start taking pay cuts they never asked me. Don't worry about that. I never got that call. <laughs> but they were asking the, those players and those players are then feeling it a little bit. They're like thinking, should I, should I not got bills to pay? Mm. It's not their fault that they're on these wages. I want to say big hitters compared to the rest of the division. Yeah. Burnley have always been the worst payers ever, ever since I came in 91 in division four, worst payers. They're probably still the worst players in the Premier League Definitely. now. Definitely. Yeah. Probably. So they, they've always been terrible payers Um, But yeah you could feel it on some of the senior players shoulders um and and it was tough it was tough it was tough that we were brought in robbie blake uh, uh, you think at the right time but he was injured yeah that rest of that season when he came in he was injured with a hernia and we never saw the rest the best of blake that year um yeah it was it was unfortunate because we were so close on so many occasions and it was it was a sad end really to it all and
2: just off the back of that paul because i think we expected glenn to go just because I don't know how we held on to him for so long, really, and I know he had been out on loan a couple of times. It was a huge shock when Stan's contract were re- weren't renewed, but also yourself, like from a fan's perspective, you were obviously out of contract, and we never really understood. I'm guessing it was because Stan left, was it that you weren't retained, or what? What was the story there? Because it was a weird one that you
1: went from a fan's perspective. Anyway, it was um the whole situation of me leaving was my own fault, in that I I never had an agent. And i was never in the belief that i should have an agent i was happy where i was and whatever will be will be yeah but i look back and it was probably the biggest mistake i ever made by not having an agent now an agent would have been selfish would have looked after me as well as themselves would have looked after me because i'm there i'm their thing are i they've got to protect me and do what's right for me now in january of that year i went to see stan and had a good conversation about my contract up in the summer what's the plan he said you're on this at the moment he said, next year the budget is being slashed. Mm. He said, and for me to offer you a contract now, you've got to take virtually a 50% cut. And he said, you're 50% cut now, if you take this now and I offer you a contract now, what you lose between now and the end of the season, you've got to work all next year for virtually. He yeah. said, it wouldn't make sense. So I went, right, okay. Now, an agent would have, would have done something about that. They wouldn't have accepted that. Now, my knee was goosed. I'm due my fourth knee operation again. It's not right. Between then and the end of the season, I'm not training and I'm playing at weekends. Now, what happened at Sunderland on the last game of season, I went off with cramp. Last game of the season, cramp because I hadn't been training. Yeah. So I'd done that because I thought, well, Stan's going to stay and I'll get my contract. Yeah, yeah. An agent wouldn't have done that. An agent would have protected me. They'd have said, look, there's no guarantees at the end of the year. Let's get your knee sorted in January. Yeah. i would have got myself sorted in january i would have been fresh hungry ready to go and even come pre-season if bernie didn't keep me i'm ready to go again somewhere yeah well i didn't it went all pear-shaped stan got announced does not stay in we're all out of contract what do we do we're in limbo
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and then that clown cottage comes in and that was it really it was literally the night before my wedding Oh, really? Now having a drink night before my wedding, getting married on a Saturday, he rings me Friday night on the phone, just saying, I'm not keeping you. I said, brilliant timing. Glad you could do oh, it to nice. me face. And that was it. But this is the frustrating bits because you've got loads of people saying, oh, you've been there 12 and a half years, loyalty and all that. I said loyalty means nothing. He's just been me over the phone.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I went in the following week, saw Dave Emerson, Dave Emerson gave me my P45 and my boots and went, there you go. I said, right, where's machine pads that I've had 12 and a half years. Mm. I've had the same shin pads. Where are they? Oh, we're just having it redecorated in the boat room. they would be in the bin now. Oh, I could have knocked the lanky piece of shit out. I'll tell you. I <laughs> anyway, I'm like fuming. That is shocking. And this that, is the bits is. where people say, loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. And I'm like, well, there's no loyalty back. Yeah, and that's it. See you later. Bye bye. Get yourself gone. And that was it. I walked out the club thinking, that's it. That's such a shame. So, yeah, it's frustrating because I should have had my knee done. And then I had my knee done after my wedding, and my knee was goosed. It's goose, it needed longer to recover. And you're trying to then earn a contract. And that was basically the end of my football career.
0: Yeah. Yes. I didn't
1: make the right decisions. If I'd have made those right decisions, um, like I say, an agent would have protected me better and looked after me better. My career would have gone on a lot further, a lot longer. because yeah, you weren't how old were you, Paul? Foot, I'm, I'm gonna say like 30, 29. 31. Foot 29. 20.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's such I a toyed, shame though. I toyed with football afterwards. Um I went and done pre-season with brassy because he was a manager at york yeah and he said you can use our physio <laughs> crikey my mrs could have done better than that it, it weren't the best yeah it wasn't the best so uh, i ended up at, i got a phone call from rochdale um steve parkin said come on down he said we'll get you fit here let's get you going get you up and running um so i went down there and, and i was i was way off the pace i was joining with the kids to try and get fit picking up little niggles and then I sort of got myself half fit thinking I'm doing all right a little bit better I'm looking around the place for I haven't got to get much fitter anyway to sort of stand out here trying to be yeah. confident yeah. um and in the end I went to the manager and I just said look it's a money thing isn't it and he went what do you mean I said if I said to you this Saturday I'll I'll play for free would you play me he went yeah so that Saturday I played centre midfield against Rushton and Diamonds for nothing wow so I thought, if I'm going to get fit, I need to get fit playing first-team football yeah, rather yeah. than just with the stiffs, and it doesn't really get you that fit. So, yeah, I played five games for Rochdale. Um, he changed the formation every game. I moved positions every game. It was like, my God, I'm playing against Lincoln, where the, where the centre-half ran forward and the goalkeeper kicked it and the center half flicking it on. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Yeah. It was just, I didn't enjoy it. The training was all over the place. Rochdale just went and trained. To, they rang around in the morning to see where they could train. It was, and my knees weren't right. And then when he came to me and said, look, I think we can give you some expenses, 150 quid a week to the end of the season. Mm. I just said to him, I said, I'm not being funny. I can go and collect trolleys as they earn more money. I said, Let's just <laughs> call it a day. And that's it. I just walked out and went
3: and that So was retirement there and then Paul,
1: were it? Yeah. Was it the right thing? Was I being stupid? Did Rochdale paint just a different picture that I'm used to, and I was being a bit spoiled? I have lots of regrets in my career. Everyone mm. will do. I yeah. could have done this. You could have done that. I should have persevered. I should have stuck with it. I should have just played for free for quite a few months and just play, play, play and get yourself right. Yeah, yeah. Whether whether it's the right environment, you you, you don't know. But I'm quite a stubborn person, so I just thought, nah, yeah. things were catching up on me. I, I had i had little things off in your hips and, wear and tear of football eventually gets you but 30 31 i thought if i carry on what i'm going to be like at 34 35. yeah no so, yeah if, if you're not okay.
3: enjoying it
1: mm, tough
2: and tough it's a shame how it ended paul we just wanted to certainly call this out because it's a book i've had pre-ordered since it went off on amazon probably in about december something like that but probably around the time this will come out because we we do record them a few weeks in advance We've, we have a footballer a week so i'm I, d- I don't know but it might actually line up quite well but your book comes out april 12th i believe um I, I, I just wondered if you had any words on that is there any crazy revelations we should expect i know it's been part written by dave thomas who has, for the people who know written so many great burnley books down the years that i've really enjoyed so just wanted to give that a shout out should we expect some uh, more Dave Edmonds yeah. and I, don't, I don't know wow.
1: what you're on about
2: um everyone make sure you buy Paul's book yeah,
1: yeah well I'll I tell you what I can give you whether it might get announced beforehand but basically I've, I've been I used to bump into Dave every year on holiday and he, and he was asking me for a long time, he wanted to do something on 90s Burnley mm, and because yeah. I was there for the 90s. He said, let's let's go for all the managers, let's just talk about it. And my memory is not great. I have to constantly ring Glen Little and various other people to talk about certain things that have happened to just drop my memory a little bit. And um, it, it was a struggle, but it, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I've I've, I've read it again and think, Crikey, I've missed this and I've missed that. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it coming out. Um, what i will say and i've not announced this yet to anybody is that i only get a little bit of money out of this per book everyone you sell but every bit that i make is going to the gary parkinson trust oh, fantastic. um It actually does say it on the back no one no one's seen it yet but there, there is a bit there right at the bottom that's going to say um so my little bit of proceeds is going to go there to help gary because because gaz and his family are going through such a difficult time for many many yeah. years so the little bit of money that does come out of this it's hopefully going to uh, just help gary and his family that's, that's fantastic
2: brilliant. if anyone watching this needed any more reason make sure you get on amazon and type in paul weller i've got the full title not such a bad life burnley Gazette righty waddle and me out april 12th <laughs> so
3: make sure you get on that we'll get the link down below as well <laughs> cheers
0: right last thing if it's all right paul um, yep. we've just got a little five question quiz about your career if that's okay
3: all right. Okay. <laughs> I think, to be honest, because I wrote these earlier, and I think you answered most questions yeah. <laughs> while we've been chatting. So, uh, uh, five out of
2: five. Proper <laughs> scoreboards already. Yeah. Tony Grant got four. So, in terms of the Burnley players, I think
3: I think you have the chance to be top because I don't think Robbo got five. Tony Grant got four. No. No, he didn't. Yeah. I think I think we've not had a five out of five Burnley player. Tony Worth folks. I stitched wasn't. him up on first question. <I>? Sorry, sorry, Um Right, OK, so we'll go straight into it on uh, question one. You made almost 300 appearances for Burnley. Who was your Burnley debut against?
1: Debut was Leicester.
3: I it think. was, yes, Leicester City, um, which you mentioned earlier, League Cup. Um, so, yeah, what, what were that like? You were just desperate for your chance and... Yeah, the
1: they'd lost the first leg, so there was no pressure really to um, to go out and do anything magical, win the game or anything. It was, uh, it was, it was a big learning curve. Simon Grayson was left back for Leicester. Okay. So, yeah, experienced player and yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a tough, tough debut. And I played with all the regular first team players, Parkey and, and, and everybody. So, it was, you know, it was a good experience and it basically just wet your appetite to really want more of it. You, yeah. know, you really, really want that and, and it was, yeah, it was a good season. Do you think, you said the manager
3: at the time um, sort of giving you those little bits, I'll, I'll I'll play you now and then I'm not playing you again until you've got a new contract, I think that were a ploy then to sort of give you that little bit of a taste
1: to say, oh, I want to do this, I'll forget the 50 quid? Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, I think he was still under pressure as well because right side of midfield back then was still John Francis. If you ask a lot of Burnley fans, John Francis is still a bit of a legend. He scored, you know, some important goals in the the fourth division and that. So, you know, he was still in that position. No disrespect to John. I thought I was a lot better than John, so that's why it was—it was a challenge. Manager, whether John was coming to the end of his career because he had knee knee problems as well, um, you know, there was—it was—it was was, was hard for the manager to sort of ease a sort of person that's well respected by the fans for a young lad. So I don't know; it was a bit of a transition that sort of year for 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 Jimmy Mullen and for me and for a lot of people. So uh, um, I'm, I'm glad he did it in the end.
3: Um, okay, brilliant. Question two: Uh, how many league goals did you score for Burnley? We've got a choice of three: nine, ten, or eleven.
1: I'm oh, like, <laughs> Um, well, because at the start you said I scored 13 goals, Th- 13 so goals. And- I only thought I scored 11. So you done me straight away. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm no good. will carry on. I'm I'm no good at uh, any of this, and I've told you my memory's awful. I only remember two or three of the goals that you mentioned earlier. Uh, I don't know league goals. I'd go with nine. It was eleven. It was 11. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they all your league then? Where's the other two come from then? You said thirteen. Luke Adam, <laughs> ben, As I
3: say, you, you, you were you were a bit fanboying over your Paul. I think he's yeah, a bit <laughs>
2: Yeah, you got two, two in the FA Cup as well.
1: Ah, right,
3: right, okay. Uh, so number three, you received one red card in your Burnley career. As, as far as I could tell, anyway, I've only, I've only charged you with one. Who was that against? Millwall. <laughs> and uh, a scuffle with Dennis Wise, I believe.
1: Yeah, Dennis Wise. <laughs> have deserved it. <laughs> he's, he's up there with Robbie Savage that you want to slap beneath a pair of them. Oh my God there was nothing in it if you watch it it's basically he's 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 got in me face and i've just sort of pushed him away get away and yeah. he stumbled back and you're like oh howard webb making a name for himself Yeah. oh god absolute goon so yeah it was the worst red card ever stands if you're going to get sent off at least punch him in the <laughs> face do it you know make it worthwhile it was rubbish terrible terrible
3: um, was that the season it seemed quite Was that for a place in quarter-final? You played Millwall and they went on to make the final, didn't you? Lost to Man United.
1: Alan Moore killed me. Alan Moore had the clearest header. I don't know if you remember this. I do. Cross came in and he had the goal gaping. Head it in, win 1-0, take the pressure off me being sent off. Gaffer won't mention that. No, he heads it over the bar. What did
2: On that point, Paul, what was the... uh, This isn't that season, but... FA Cup, we did make the quarterfinal one year, and I remember travelling down to Watford. We lost two nil. Um, and when I saw the team sheet, no Glenn, no Robbie, felt sick. What, what was the what was the perspective of players then? Because that was that was surely you shot at a semi final.
1: Yeah, we're, we were like hoping Stan get sacked. He needs to go. The bench: Robbie, Glenn, me, Steve Davis. It was mental. Four of us on the bench we we're like what's he doing so I, you know now when you when you look back and think well he's he's, he's seeing the future because now they don't take the fa cup seriously do they no. they rest the best players for the league well that's surely what stan was doing wasn't it he was <laughs> thinking, glenn paul stevie davis will save you for the league campaign and we didn't realize at the time we do now We'll go with
2: that to save Stan's bacon because that absolutely destroyed me. When my dad got there, I won't repeat what my dad said when he saw team sheet, but programme went about three rows in front.
1: (laughs) Hey, you should have have been in the dressing room with me, (laughs) 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 Steve. Robbie, we weren't best pleased
3: either. Um, Right, question four. Who was your Burnley league debut against? I mentioned this as well. So it was in Uh, December. Carlisle, December. It was Carlisle 2 0 win um, over Carlisle. Um, Straight on. Finally, question five: Who was your final Burnley appearance against? Sunderland. It was Sunderland, as you mentioned. Went off. uh, Went off with cramp. Um, I just wanted to touch. I've seen on your Twitter, Paul. You you are a Spurs fan. You've mentioned it. It's been a very Burnley Burnley Burnley-based podcast, as it as it obviously would be, but. What are your thoughts on Spurs? I, I, I sense you, you're not a huge fan of Jose. And he, he might be gone by the time this comes out in about a month's time.
1: Oh, uh, I hope so. <laughs> I've not been a fan of him for a few years. He came in a special one, transformed yeah. the Premier League, Chelsea. He's, he's, he, I think it's just his body language that done me when he first came in. Looking at his sour face when he was at, um, at Man United, it just weren't for me. Tottenham, I've been t- a Tottenham fan, like I say, since I was a kid. A lot of people don't agree with me okay Mm. i've been brought up the way of watching great football being entertained and winning nothing that's tottenham that's me i love being entertained because at the end of the day i believe it's an entertainment business Mm -hmm. jose marino is not an entertainer no he's a part of the bus bore you to bits and it's proved it and me and robbie are having a few arguments at the moment about it because he thinks it's the best signing tottenham have made and i'm like no chance he'll win you something he has got us through to the carly whatever cup it's called caribou cup we've had the luckiest draws ever brentford and all them but man city are going to absolutely murder them murder them tottenham are a million miles away from being a decent team their 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 defense and goalkeeper is not up to it anymore and people are saying we'll give him time well he's had three transfer windows Mm -hmm. and he's still not made any impact on that back four so the
2: thing with Mourinho as well is you, you just know it's short term. You just know the dummy's going to get spat out within the next 12 months. So there's no longevity there, is there? He, no. It just feels a bit... I, I know Pochettino had a crap six months or whatever it was, but I, I don't know. Who am I to say what Daniel Lever should have done, but I'd have given him a bit longer. He were never going to be in trouble.
3: No, um, no it's just strange. right. I agree with everything you said. As a Man United fan who, who sat through... A very good first Mourinho season, and then yeah, it's just that's what is 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 about now. Yeah, downhill, negative football. But yeah, mm-hmm. seemed, seems seems a, a perfect place to to end it, Paul. Thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely brilliant. Some great stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, look after yourself. Buy Paul's book. And Paul's book. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time, mate. Oh, All yeah. right, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, so well, Paul. Thanks, Paul mate. Thanks, bye. 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 bye, bye.